Can we pray and then we dive into the word? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Uh, we thank you that when your word comes forth, it does not return to you void. And so, Lord, we receive it this morning with gladness in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I am introducing a new series that we are going to be uh, going through for the next, I believe, about four weeks or so. There is going to be a guest speaker next week who is going to speak on something completely different. And then we'll get back into our series. Now, the series is called The Word. All right? And uh, the goal really of this series is to inspire us and to invite us to engage with the Word of God. Uh, so that these pages of the Bible, Sam said, does the Bible exist? It was like, I was like, yeah, I've got one on my phone. But uh, the, the goal is to help us engage with the scriptures so that out of them we'll draw the life that is in them. Amen. And so my encouragement to all of us is that during this series, uh, I'm going to share some things at the end uh, that would love for us to do together as a church during the series. But I'm encouraging you uh, to... In this really what season or four or five weeks, uh, just almost take this challenge upon yourself and your family to engage the word, study the word, read the word as much as you can. And then at the end, I'll give us how we can do that. And so that's the series. I want to remind us also of who we are as a church. I thought it would be a great idea to remind us of our vision statement There we go. For those of you who don't know, this is our vision statement. We see lives, communities, and society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence, and the power of God. In our church, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. All right? And any other book that you come across in this church does not replace the Bible. It is an extract of the Bible to simplify things all right so we don't have any other book except for the bible and really we believe in the bible and so today my message is going to be read the word read the word now i thought it would be good to start with almost an intellectual discussion of why should i read the bible you know why not the other book why should i start reading the bible if i don't already read the bible and so pastor carol is going to speak on this uh, more profoundly in about two weeks time when she's going to give us three weeks time when she's going to give us a very elaborated explanation of why the bible but today i thought i'd give us a brief one and so one is that the bible is historically accurate the reason why i should trust the bible trust that this is a book that brings life and speaks about what it says or says what it speaks however you choose to put it is that the bible is historically accurate the characters in the bible the places in the bible the the events of the bible are historically proven so even if you don't believe in the bible as the word of god you can believe in the bible as a book that is historically accurate the second thing is that the Bible is prophetically accurate. I saw a post on Facebook which uh, summarized just the accuracy of the prof prophecies of the Bible. It says that the Bible is written by about 40 different authors. 
and amongst them, only a few of them met each other. Most of them did not meet each other, did not even know each other in person. 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, yet the Bible is coherent, the Bible is together and holds together. The stories line up together. Now, if you've got 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years and they still have one theme, you can trust that this is true. You agree with me? But thirdly, which is less intellectual, more practical, I thought the Bible is practically transforming. So the Bible doesn't just, it's not just a, a, a nice book to read. It is a book that brings life. It is a book that brings transformation. I was reading a story, very, very sad story, yet very profound and full of mercy and grace. Thank you. That will be on our recording. I just... Um, <laughs> so when you, when you listen to the podcast, just make sure you look out for this one. <laughs> Awesome. So I was reading a story which is a very, very sad story, but yet full of mercy, full of grace, and full of what God can do. Um, a guy called Joshua Milton. Joshua Milton, I think his last name is called Bly. Uh, in movies and uh, well known for his name called The Butt Naked. I don't know if you've heard of General Butt Naked. <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> It's fine. His name will stay on our podcast as well. So, but Milton Bly uh, claimed to have met the devil in person when he was young. And the devil told him that he was going to be a big warrior someday in his life. That he was going to kill people, conquer nations, and so forth and so on. But then he gave him a condition and said, but every time you want to go to war, you have to kill young girls or boys below the age of 12 and and that would be a sign of sacrifice and then when you go to war be naked <laughs> only wear your shoes and carry your gun and so he grew up with that um, according to his own account he would he had a shrine and before he would go to war he would go to that shrine he would invoke uh, his spirits and he did that for a long time he this was during the Liberian war so he killed a lot of people. He killed a lot of young, innocent girls and boys. And um, he was known, notoriously known in Liberia during the Civil War as this guy who would go to war, you know, wearing nothing because they be he believed that the devil told him that's how he would be protected. Uh, when, when one day he was at his shrine, there was a pastor in Liberia who had felt the call from God to go and preach the gospel to him at his shrine. And um, now this pastor obeyed God and went during the time that this guy was conjuring his own things and, and praying to whatever he was praying to. The pastor just preached the gospel to this guy and told him that Christ loved him and so forth and so on. And then he left. A few days later, that guy had a significant, almost poor moment where he accounts himself that a light struck him and he heard a voice and the person in this voice was Jesus and Jesus said to him 
I love you so much, irrespective of all the things that you have done. But I'm giving you an opportunity right now to repent and come to me or you will die. And that voice was a voice that was very distinct. He had never experienced something like that before. And so he decided to give his life to Jesus, but then the people who were following him did not know the experience he had had because it was so personal to him. And so fast forward, he managed to tell them the encounter he had had with, uh, with, with, with Jesus. And his life started changing. Now when the presidency changed, the war ended, they had a truth and reconciliation commission where they called him to testify of all the things that he had seen during the war. And obviously they wanted to prosecute him and take him to jail, which was right for them to do because he'd killed so many people. Because of his changed nature and what Jesus has done, had done in his life, he confessed everything him and his men had done. And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission realized that he'd given them so much information. He'd given them everything that had uh, happened during the war and they forgave him and, you know, kind of gave him amnesty. Now, today he's a pastor preaching in different churches. He runs an organization to rehabilitate child soldiers all right yeah child soldiers yes child soldiers who are broken and wounded uh who uh fought during the war and have nothing now and he's rehabilitating them when i was reading his story i just this practically transformation power that the word of god has became so real to me that if 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 the bible can change such a man and this is not just a simple book. This is the word of God. If this man who claimed to have met the devil in person, who killed so many people, and yet when he had an encounter with God, his life changed. This Bible that we read, that we believe in, is not just a, a simple book. It is the very word of God. Amen. And so the Bible is practically transforming. And that is why, we can trust the Bible. All right, so we're going to go to our point for today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Paul is writing this to Timothy, says, But mark this, there will be uh, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And it continues from verse 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, tra and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this is Paul the Apostle. 
is writing to Timothy. Now, Timothy is like, is like you would call him in today's words, a church boy. Like he was like, he was conceived, conceived in the band, given birth to on the pulpit. Because from infancy, he's, you know, he's like, he's like a church boy. A boy who like literally his entire life was in church. Because Paul is saying from infancy, like how old is an infant? Young, all right? So Paul is saying from, from your infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And, and in other places, Paul is talking about how he got his faith from first his grandmother, then his mother. And so this boy has literally been in church for all his life. He's a church boy. Knows nothing else. Now, Paul is writing this from house arrest. He's in prison. He's writing this letter potentially knowing that this is his last words to Timothy. Because Paul is going to die. He says to Timothy, he says, hey, I want you to take note of these things. That there are going to be people around you who are conceited. People who are boastful. People who are abusive. People who don't love good. The environment within which you are going to be exposed or live in is going to be toxic and poisonous to the value systems that you were brought up with. That the way you grew up knowing the Holy Scriptures and the environment within which you're going to live will not be consistent. Because the people that will surround you will not be cool. Now these people that are described here by Paul, probably some of you are looking at like, yeah, I know one of these. I, like where I live, where I work, the people I gym with, I know one of these. And Paul is speaking to Timothy. A church boy who probably is going into the real world to experience what people without Christ look like. What people without God are capable of doing. He says to uh, Timothy, but for you, from verse 14. He says, all these things will be around you. God is not going to take you out of this environment. You are going to be in this environment. But for you, this is what is going to set you apart. This is what's going to keep you sane from the insanity of your environment. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know the people that taught you these things. And he says, the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And then he continues to explain to them what the Bible and the Word of God is about. In other words, Paul is saying to him, he's saying you're going to live in, an, in a hostile environment. Your external environment is going to be full of evil and full of pressure. But what is going to keep you sane is you allowing the Word of God to be so rich in you. That the external pressure would not be comparable to your internal investment of the word of God. Such that you can stand and never be crushed by external pressure because you have allowed your heart to be full of the word of God. He's saying, Timothy, you're going to live in this environment where people won't like you. People won't endorse your value system, the things you believe about God. 
People will not share the same things in terms of your ethics. People will not share the same things in terms of your purity. But Paul says, hey, what will keep you sane in the insanity of your environment is you allowing the word of God to dwell in you so richly. And so I want to give us four things. You know, as a pastor, you look for ways that are creative so that the message can be a bit memorable. So... <laughs> People forget because people have got a lot of things to deal with. Like literally as soon as you walk out of this venue, there are a, a thousand things you need to look after. So I thought I'll use the word, word, and use each letter of the word to give you something to memorize and remember what the word does for us, reading the word. And so the first thing is the word was for you. Now, if this word doesn't exist in English, then I just made it up. Just so that a W can be somewhere, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> the word wars for you. It fights for you. I want us to read a scripture. Two scriptures we'll read. But one says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He's saying, Paul, and this is again, uh, Paul writing, while he's assumed to be the writer of Hebrews. He's saying, he says, listen, the word of God is so powerful that it judges thoughts and intents of your heart. In other words, when you are living in a hostile environment, the moment you begin to think something that is not consistent with, your, with the plan and the purpose of God for your life, the word of God becomes that soul that judges that thing in your mind. In other words, when somebody tells you a lie about your life, when someone says to you that you are not worth the love of Christ, when someone says to you something that is not consistent with what Christ is saying, he says the word in you becomes the judge of thoughts and intents or attitudes of your heart. So when you allow the word of God to dwell richly in you, every time you hear something, there's a sift in your mind that discards the things that shouldn't be in your mind and allow the things that should be in your mind to stay in your mind. But you've got to allow the word of God to be in you and to dwell in you richly. And in the absence of that, then your mind is filled with junk. Things that you shouldn't think about are the things that you're thinking about because you've got no deposit of the word of God dwelling in your heart richly. When, as a pastor, you meet people who are going through various things. People who are going through depression or are battling with anxiety. And oftentimes these things are based on what we think and what we believe about ourselves and about others. It's something that somebody said 20 years ago. Something that your mother said when you were born. Or something that a teacher said at school or so forth and so on. And these things can be judged only when you have the word of God dwelling in your heart so richly. That, that the word becomes the judge that splits the truth from the lies that you are believing. Again, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation in Ephesians 6 verse 17 
and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What do you fight with? You fight with the word of God. The second letter is this, that the word of God opens you up to the realities of who you are and what you have in God. You will never be able to know the things that you possess in God until you get into the word for yourself. Someone can tell them to you, but the degree of your belief and conviction will depend on you digging into the word for yourself and getting the gold out of the word for yourself. It opens you up. Today we're talking about Paul quite a lot. Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. Now let me break this down. What is Paul saying to the church in Ephesus? He's saying, guys, this is what I have come to discover. I have come to discover that there is hope to which we have been called. That when you, you are stuck in the loneliness of your hopelessness, when you feel like there's no more hope for your business or hope for your children or hope for your marriage, I want you to know because I'm praying for you that you would come to a realization of the hope to which God has called you. He says God has called you to a hope in him. And then he goes on to explain, he couldn't really describe the power of God except to say this incomparably great power. I don't know what that means because I'm really not English, but incomparably great power, how much power is that? Because he couldn't quantify the power of God that we have in Christ. The only word he could use is incomparably great power. Now, Paul is wanting the people, the church, to understand this. Listen, when Jesus was in the tomb and everybody else was hopeless, not knowing what was going to happen after three days, the same power that came in that tomb and shook his dead body and gave him life. And then on ascension day, literally lifted him up to sit him at the right hand of the Father. That same power, you have access to it. He says, this is what you have in God, but the only way you can get to understand and know it is when you get into the word for yourself. When you get to study the word of God for yourself and dig the gold out of it. In Daniel chapter 9, it's a beautiful story. Daniel is in captivity with the people of Israel. They've been in captivity for a very long time. Being in captivity is a horrible experience because you are refugees in a country that don't share your values at all. You are refugees in a country where your rights are not respected at all, 
where your daughters can be raped without you going anywhere to uh, claim for that to stop or ask anyone to stop doing that because you're in captivity, your rights, you don't even have any rights. And they've been in this place for about 70 years because of their disobedience to God. But then Daniel gets into the word of God. He begins to read the book. In verse 2, he says, Then I understood by the books that the amount of time that God has said will be in captivity was complete. And then he began to pray in that year that the Lord would deliver them because the amount of time he'd given them for their captivity was complete. And sometimes when I read that story, I wonder if Daniel never got to read the book and understand the prophecy that God had given to Jeremiah. They ran the risk of staying in captivity for many more years because of their ignorance. And I wonder how many things we accept in our lives. I wonder how many things that God has not ordained for us that we accept in our lives because of our own ignorance and refusal to get into the word and get the stuff for ourselves. Daniel gets into the word. Thank you. And he understands by the books that, hey, we might not have guns, but God said it. Therefore, it will happen. We might not have a king right now. We are all slaves in this country. But listen, God said 70 years will be complete and will be released. Hey, this is the time that we have to go. And then God raised the king who ordered the people who were willing to go back home and rebuild their country. Because Daniel got into the books and began to pray to God according to his promise. There are promises that you have in the word. God has given things for your family, for your career, for anything regarding godliness and life. But you've got to get into the word and dig stuff for yourself. Like Daniel did. The third one is that the word reveals the nature and the character of God. When you read the word, you begin to understand God more. Oftentimes, when, when you are in circles with people who are arguing about God, there will be people that have never actually even owned a Bible. <laughs> you know, those are the people that are the loudest in, in arguments about Christianity. Then you ask them, do, do, do you own a Bible? No, 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 but, but I know the Bible. But do you own a Bible? Like what basis, or rather on what basis are you arguing this? Because you have never owned a Bible before. Because when you get yourself into the pages of the Bible, the nature and the character of God is revealed to your life. The image you had of Christ, of this angry and God who doesn't care, suddenly begins to change because you see how Christ walked around with people who were rejected and ostracized. When he showed love to people who could never receive love. When he walked around Jerusalem touching people who could never be touched. Then you suddenly realize, man, this God is so good. The nature and the character of God are revealed to you when you get yourself into the word. The Bible says in Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God wants 
every single one of us to know his qualities. He wants us to know his nature and understand him. And oftentimes, our knowledge of God changes our relationship with God. When we know and understand God, then we know how to relate to God. And sometimes we come bowed down in our shame and disgrace because we don't know that this God has said to us, hey, come before my throne boldly. But when you realize God is inviting you to come boldly before the throne, you know that you can go to God with courage and confidence, not in shame and disgrace. Reading the word reveals the nature and the character of God to you. And lastly, the word of God directs our lives. Do you know that the Bible was not meant to be a religious book? I was speaking to a friend or rather an acquaintance of mine and, uh, and so well-meaning and he was just telling me a story of his life. It's like, man, you know, from Monday to Friday, I'm in my grind. I'm in my hustle. I'm working hard. <laughs> People call these things different names. So anyway, you know, I'm in my grind, I'm working, I'm working hard, working late if I need to, doing all these things, Monday to Friday, really, that's my routine. On Saturday, I get to spend time with my family. You know, family is important, you get to spend time with your family, yeah. And then on Sunday, I add a bit of religion. You know, spirituality is good. I need, I need you know, I just, I like spirituality, I like spiritual things. So Sunday, I take my family to church so that I can have a balanced life. You know, work, family, and then add a bit of religion to it. Now, he was so innocently saying this, and it sounded so cool. Like, this guy is so balanced. Like, he's doing work, a bit of family here, uh, and a bit of church there. As if they're exclusively, as if they're mutually exclusive. There you go. As if they are, like, things you do one year. Like, when I'm working Monday to Friday, I'm for I've forgotten about my family. Then when I'm doing my family on Saturday, I've forgotten about God, and so forth and so on. And that made me think of how many of us view the Bible that way. That, you know, this is a book, when I come back from church, put it on my table, Sunday morning, send my daughter or my son or myself, go fetch the Bible, we go to church, come back, put it in the same place, and then see it again next week, Sunday. Because Monday to Friday is my grind, my hustle. Saturday is my family, and Sunday morning is like spiritual time, church. The Bible was never meant to be like that. When God gave us the word from the beginning, it was going to be the model by which we live our lives. Whether in our grind, in our families, or in the church. It was never meant to be just a book that we use for church. It was meant to be a book we use as a guide for life. And so if that is your perception of the Bible, no, that's a wrong perception. The Bible is the book by which your life should be dictated. The way you do your job, the way you treat your wife, the way you relate to your colleagues should be dictated by the Bible. And the only way you're going to know it is by getting into it, reading it for yourself. Uh, David, who was a king, said, I've hidden thy, rather, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's saying, your word guides me. The way I lead my people. When I'm taking my soldiers to war, your word is guiding me. When, when I'm relating with my children, your word is guiding me. 
because your word is a lamp unto my feet. It, it guides me. In order for us to be guided by the word, we've got to know what the word says about us. It is a tragedy to see someone who has a promise wrapped in a gift bag and yet they go around crying and mourning about the very thing that they've been given because they've never taken time to unwrap the gift and realize what they have inside of that gift box. That is the case of so many of us as Christians. We've got so many promises, yet we are crying and the Bible is just there crying out to you, read me, read me, I've got answers for your life. We'll live in depression and worry because we never take time to get the gold out of the word. And so as a church, we want to help all of us to get into the word. And how are we going to do that? There is going to be this. It's going to be read the word, change your mind, change your world. It's going to be a 15 minutes a day Bible reading challenge. Now, Sam is very pastoral. The word challenge, just like, oh, why should it be a challenge? Why can't it be a plan? Now, <laughs> I just, I can be competitive, so I love challenges, you know. It feels like it challenges me, and it's like, it's like oh, getting out of my normal routine and do this. And so, this is a challenge that we are launching to all of us as a church today during this series. That you dedicate 15 minutes of your time a day to reading the word. Now some of you are like, okay, where do I start? Do I start Genesis? Where is Genesis? Um, do I, so, <laughs> or do I start Philemon? Is it Philemon, is it Philemon in the Old Testament or New Testament? Like where, where can I find this? Like, you know, is it Philemon? I was like, well, anyway. <laughs> so we have made things very easy for all of us. You might have received a Bible reading plan when you came in. This is to help us so that together we can journey as a church. During this series, 15 minutes a day, read the Bible. Now, I'm going to be looking to wives right now. Husbands, just forget about me for a moment. If you're married, please, ladies, make sure that he's also reading the Bible 15 minutes a day. <laughs> so I don't know why it feels like ladies are more diligent with these things than men. So please just make sure that you nudge them to read the Bible 15 minutes a day. It's a challenge for all of us. Amen. And so this is... Uh, we will not guilt trip you, okay? So if you don't read the Bible for 15 minutes a day, you're not going to be caught out from the crowd. Come here in the front and confess why you didn't do that. <laughs> this is an environment where people are celebrated, accepted before you do anything, all right? But this is an encouragement to all of us. It is a challenge for us to read the Word because there's so much in there for all of us. Amen. And so please take this challenge. Don't think that the church is guilt tripping you or doing things that they shouldn't do this is out of love and care so that all of us can grow together and dig the gold from the word amen do you mind rising with me please my assumption is all of us will take on this challenge um, if you cannot take this challenge please uh, come speak to pastor carol at the end <laughs>
then she will take you through a process why you should um, read the Bible. But Father, Lord, we thank you this morning. Thank you that your word is alive and active. Your word is powerful. Your word transforms, your word heals, delivers. Your word wars for us. Opens us up to the realities of who we are in you and the things we have available to us in you. The word reveals who you are and your nature and your character. And the word is a guide for our lives. Lord, so we take on this challenge to getting into your word, studying your word, reading your word. In Jesus' name. And as we closing, I just want to ask if there, there is anyone here that you, you've been listening to this word and you, oh gosh, you so want to get into the Bible, but the thought that goes through your mind is, you know what, I'm so far away from God. I, I need some kind of step in between. It's almost like I, I need to meet God. And perhaps you've been in church, perhaps you haven't been in church. Perhaps it's your first time or perhaps you, you go to church often, but you know that there is a gap between you and Jesus. And I want to let you know that you can't fill that gap. Only He can. And at this moment, if that's you and you, you need Him to take a step across that gap and to reach you, if that's you, I'm going to ask everyone to just close their eyes. But if, there's, if you would like to, to have Jesus reach you, can you just raise your hand because I would like to pray for you. If that's you and you would, you would like that, you would like that gap between you and Jesus closed, just raise your You're going to have to raise it quite high because people are standing, so I won't be able to see you unless it's high. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Church, can we all just pray this together? Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm far from you. And Lord, I want to be close. Lord, I surrender the control of my life to you. I trust in what you did on the cross as my way to you. And I ask that you would reach me. You would draw me to yourself. You would change me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?